from 1011 Now. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, we got an early start to spring this year. Um, a lot of good things about that. It's great to be back on the field with the players. Uh, it's been really energizing, invigorating, having some of the new faces that we have around um, the coaching staff and on the team. Uh, this will be a lot of hard work and a lot of good things happening, but there's a lot of work left to do. And the 1011 Studios in Lincoln, Nebraska. Eternal optimist in me always comes out. Um, you know, you got to be out there. It's, it's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to be having fun with your boys, playing football. That's what it's all about. That's what we started as little kids. So, you know, doing your job, doing it the best of your ability, giving 100% effort and loving what you're doing with the people you're with is, you know, the biggest thing. I hope they're all washing their hands. That's a good, that's a good way to, to, to fight the pandemic. And, um, you know, we got some guys that don't even shower after practice. This is the End Report Podcast. Welcome on into the End Report Podcast. As always, I'm Bill Shammer, joined alongside Kevin Suits. Kevin, I don't know if we want to start with showering habits or if we should just bypass that one. No, you can't. That's, <laughs> that's not something you just throw out there and move right past. Everybody's like, why is Scott Frost talking about showering? Um, the question was about having a clean practice, air quotes, and that's where Coach Frost. So if you want to know how Scott is as the Huskers kick off spring football, there you go. He's talking about showering, and th- th- good soundbite, right? That was fun. I loved it. I heard it, was and it? I was like, that's going in the first one minute of our podcast. Today. Was not the best soundbite of the day, though. Uh, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's, it's in here. He said, kick a turd. <laughs> And then apologized about his farming lingo. Yeah, he had the pregnant pause there that's like, are we going to continue with this thought or Listen, not? Listen, I mean, that does not sound like a head coach who's coming off of a 3-9 and nine season. He got a smile. It doesn't sound like a head coach who's on the hot seat. You know, usually when we are at these press conferences, Bill, you snap a photo to put it on the social media platforms that we're talking with Coach Frost, we're meeting with Player X, whatever it might be. It just so happened that I had my camera out to snap that photo during Frost's first couple of minutes with the press on uh, Monday morning, Monday afternoon, excuse me. And right as I snapped the photo, he had a giant grin on his face. I was like, wow, I struck gold, you know? It was one of the lighter moments, and I think that was during the showering comment, by the way. What's with the attitude today? I mean, it was was positive. You're skeptical of this. I'm not skeptical. No, I'm not skeptical. I find it it refreshing, I think. I think that's just where the team is at right now. Um, Granted, the season is six months away, seven months away. um, But the team, with the changes that have happened, with the change with Scott Frost and his responsibilities, there is new energy. And the word that Scott used in his opening comment today was invigorating. I, I, I think that there's just, they've kind of been, not to continue with the showering theme, but they've been cleansed of some of the ills of last season. As frustrating and difficult as it was, there's new blood from the coaching perspective. There's new blood from a personnel perspective. And it's just, it has a feeling of newness. And the players spoke at length on Monday about the challenges that they have and opportunities that are potentially out there for them. A lot of open competitions out there, offensively, defensively, special teams-wise. A lot of eyeballs and a lot of chances for players to do some things over the next 15 practices. And one thing that's really interesting about this spring football season, Bill, as we 
as we look at what the Huskers are trying to accomplish, they're going to learn a lot. They're going to build relationships. They're going to try to understand the structure of how the team is going to operate in 2022. But some of the key players they have, they're out. There are some injuries on the team. And more times than not, you would say that's not a good thing. You know, Teddy Prohaska, Turner Corcoran, likely starters on the offensive line. Because of injury, they will not participate in spring football. Travis Vokalek uh, will be very, very limited, and that's a guy that maybe has an NFL future. But what it means is some of these younger guys are going to get ample opportunities, and they have a lot of eyeballs evaluating them, going to coach them up. And I, I would like to think of this injury situation not as a negative for the Huskers, but as a positive because there will be more repetition for some of the players that are aiming to get big spots on this team. And a lot of these, you know, reps, both physical and mental, mm -hmm. will be important. I imagine a lot of mental repetitions for the likes of Prohaska and Corcoran and Vokalek. And Luke Reimer's a little dinged up. Who knows how much he'll play. Yeah, I even asked Donovan Raiola, the new offensive line coach, this morning. Uh, why do I keep saying morning? I, time is nothing, right? It, it was, was the afternoon. Noon. It was before noon. You were allowed to say morning. Um, well, Frost was twelve thirty, but the oh, players started at eleven thirty. Yeah, Frost was afternoon. So, uh, but anyway, I asked we Coach Raiola. Kevin, typically from one p.m. to about eleven or midnight. So our concept of morning is it for a lot of people apply. what afternoon is. Yeah, I'm drinking coffee, and it is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, that's like my morning coffee. But anyway, I asked Coach Donovan Arriola about how do you evaluate two of your more experienced offensive linemen while they can't participate? Because, you know, when they come back for the preseason in August, you know, now it's all systems go, and you need to try to decide personnel and establish a first string, a second string. What do you do with these two guys that you know have had experience but haven't shown you anything because they were out for the spring? And what Coach Raiola's quick answer was, well, they better be vocal in the meeting room. They are going to be quizzed. He said that he's already asked them some questions, like as they're going through drills, what would you do there? What do they need to do uh, in this blocking scheme? So that's how they can still prove their worth, though they're not physically able to participate in spring football. I like that about the coach, too, that he's not just going to let them sit on the sidelines. He's going to test them when the situation arises. And it sounds like Coach Raiola, you know, the first time we heard from him a couple months ago, it was a lot of yes, no, answers didn't top more than four or five words a lot of times. Looks like we gleaned a little bit more into the offensive line today. I complimented uh, Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald. I said thanks. He got... Dominic Raiola, to, Donovan Raiola to smile today. And so as Tom walked away from the table, I go, way to go. And I gave him a little fist bump, and, and he just kind of chuckled about that. But, no, it, I think we saw Donovan's guard go down a little bit. He was open, and I'm not going to insinuate that he was guarded when we spoke with the coaches back in December. But he peeled back the he, – he pulled the, the curtain back a little bit more today. And the one thing that he said about his, his offensive linemen – He's honest about it, that they're still learning each other. He's not going to fake a relationship. He likes the group. He says there's a lot of personality. And he even referenced Nebraska offensive lines in the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, I hear some ears perking up there. You know, and, and the, he, he said if we look at those teams and see what made them successful from an offensive line perspective, 
that they were tough and they were aggressive. And he said, that's what I want out of my guys. And the follow-up question to that was, is that just a part of the DNA of these offensive linemen, or can that be coached? And he said, it can absolutely be coached. And you do it by holding them accountable. That was a great answer by Donovan Raiola. And for me, that shows a little bit of the vision that he wants to have for the offensive line, what they're trying to aim for, what the standard of success is. And we're not saying that he wants this team to be as good as the 90s. I think he just wants them to demonstrate some of those traits, which we know can lead to success. And he's doing it with some young guys right now, too. That O-line room, especially with Corcoran and Prohaska out, they're fairly young. So now is the opportunity to really instill a particular mentality in the way that they approach the game of football. Let's take a wide-angle lens. We'll dive into position groups as, as spring ball wears on. we got, we got a full month of this. Uh, taking the wide-angle lens, if you have turned off the uh, Husker football portion of your brain since uh, Iowa on Black Friday, uh, even you know pre-November, a lot of stuff has happened. The Huskers have hired not one, not two, not three, not four, five new head coaches. Resetting it for everybody, you have Mark Whipple, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, Donovan Rayola, who you spoke about as the offensive line coach. You've got Brian Applewhite coaching running backs. You've got Mickey Joseph as your recruiting coordinator and also your wide receivers coach. And then a little bit later, after the season, you lost Tony Tuioti to Oregon. Mike Dawson takes over both outside linebackers and interior defensive linemen. And you add Bill Bush full-time special teams coach Scott Frost has taken a million-dollar pay cut. His buyout is half of what it used to be. It's a lot of changes, Kevin. Did you leave anything out? I'm sure, I'm sure there's something I left you out. You didn't even talk about the roster. More than a dozen <laughs> new scholarship players that are already on campus participating in spring football and have been here for winter condition. Adrian Martinez, a four-year starting quarterback, left the program. Fidelius Payne entered the transfer portal, got out of the transfer portal, and is now back in the transfer portal. Cam Jurgens declared for the NFL draft. Austin Allen declared for the NFL draft. Damian Daniels. Damian Daniels. So, DeAndre Thomas. So while you just spent about a minute and a half documenting the changes from a coaching perspective, there's a whole other part of the story, and that has to go into play about the, the roster. Other new names, Will Nixon, Nadab Joseph, no longer with the team. And then they signed a recruiting class in there, too. Now, granted, the recruiting class was smaller in size, but the reason for that was the fact that Nebraska really hit the portal hard. And they've brought in a pair of quarterbacks as we pivot into this conversation because it's inevitable. We can't dodge this on the first day of spring football. The two quarterbacks that they bring in from the transfer portal are Casey Thompson, last year's starter at Texas, who led the Big 12 in touchdown passes, and then also Chubba Purdy, brother of Brock Purdy, former quarterback at uh, Iowa State, and Chubba comes from Florida State. Those two guys appear to be the leading candidates to lead Nebraska's offense. Everybody wants to know, Kevin, who's who going to start? Who took the first snap? Scott Frost dodged that question a couple times. Do we have an answer? Mark Whipple says it was Casey Thompson. Took the first snaps. Make of it what you will. Put it on the headline. Whatever. Yeah, I, I think on Wednesday when they go back to practice, it might be Chubba Purdy. We don't know. And, and even if we do know, what does it mean on February 28th? You know, we're not talking August 12th here. 
where the season's right on the horizon. There's still so much time and so much can happen between now and Almost then. exactly six months from the day. Oh, nice nugget. To Ireland. How many days? Well, I mean, it would be like 182 Or something like that. You yeah. just put it in your phone. That's a, you taught me that trick. Yeah, you can go into Google and you can say how many days between this state and this state. And Google will do the math for you. I love it. Nice little trick. I did that, by the way. It helped me write a script on 10-11 well, here within welcome. the past couple, of, uh, past couple of weeks. Okay, we talked about Coach Frost, invigorated, laughing. Uh, turd jokes. In, turd jokes. <laughs> coming in with a positive attitude. Uh, here's a chunk of what he had to say today. There's some sloppy out there, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't all the, on the field. It, you know, we got some new coaches that need to learn where to go for each period and how we do things in practice. We're marrying a lot of things, and uh, guys got to get familiar with things. Um, you got to get familiar with some new concepts and ideas and terms and signals and uh, places to go in practice, and that's coaches and players alike. And um, that was kind of expected today, but it'll get better fast. A lot of pieces don't make a good team. You got to bring those pieces together to make a good team, and we have a long way to go uh, in that regard. But uh, it's been a lot of fun being around the guys again, and uh, they were really anxious to get started. Well, just get as many reps as we can uh, is number one, and uh, we're splitting teams. We had two teamworks going every time, so it doubles the reps. And uh, we're a little short at a couple positions, but we need to keep doing that uh, for some of the positions with a lot of guys to make sure everybody gets the reps they need. It's been great sitting in a room with smart guys that see the game a little different, had some different ideas. Um, but it's amazing how much you have to go through to make sure that you're on the same page with everything. I mean, the, the name of every blitz and pressure that you bring, the name of every front and what we call it, what we call the coverages, what we call concepts, what the signal is for the concepts, um, uh, how we handle certain things in protection. There's just, to, to marry things together, it's a lot of work. And, and we've been putting in a lot of work, uh, but I'm sure there's some stones that are still unturned that we'll get to through spring. Uh, continuity is going to be hard, especially with in regards to your uh, roster. Uh, that's just the way college football is moving, and uh, you're going to have to do a great job as a coaching staff every year, probably plugging in some new pieces and uh, teaching guys a lot faster. Right? You know that the days of recruiting 25 freshmen and keeping them until they're in their third year and training them and getting ready to play um, it's just not quite going to be that way anymore. With, with some guys, it is, and uh, with some other guys, you're going to have uh, new pieces on your team uh, in, in winter, maybe even in summer, and we got to do a great job as a coaching staff getting them on the same page with everybody else. See, the only thing, it, it's just great having uh, Coach Whip here, and that gave me a chance to go down and spend some t- more time with the defense. Um, but you know, we're all we're all pulling the rope in the same direction. We're all on the field coaching, and um, there's 150 guys. So there's plenty of people to talk to, and, and plenty of uh, problems to fix on the field for all of us. You know, we, we want to be a little simple this spring. Um, we didn't have trouble last year creating big plays or, or moving the ball at times. It was being consistent at the little things when we needed it. And um, I think if we get good at blocking technique and, and running with it and, and throwing it and catching it, and we can change a route or we can change a run concept. And uh, if we block with good technique, it's going to work. Language. So, uh, we got plenty of time to get creative with a lot of smart people. Uh, spring's really going to be about fundamentals and, and doing the simple things well. Heard a lot today from both the players and Coach Frost about what will be one of the biggest hurdles, I imagine, this spring, and that is terminology 
and language. There were questions in the offseason. Is this going to be you know, Scott Frost, the Huskers language, merging with Mark Whipple concepts? Are they going to take over new language, uh, new terminology uh, from what Mr. Whipple did over at Pittsburgh? And it sounds like the language and the terminology, there's a lot of new stuff in there. Yeah, and I think that this is by no coincidence, that, or maybe this gives you something to, I guess, glean on, on that question, uh, Bill. Scott Frost was not with the top quarterbacks when they went to their first reps today. The head coach with new quarterbacks. The former that, quarterback. That, that's what, that tells you something, right? You tells you that I think he has a lot of trust in Mark Whipple. And he doesn't have the obligation to be as hands-on. So whether you were wondering if it was lip service or not, there's proof that as they started to go through some offensive progressions and drills as a unit on day one, the head coach was not with the presumed top quarterbacks. The OC was Mark Whipple, but Scott was with the, the, the guys lower on the depth chart. If we could say that, I think we could fairly say that. So, that, that is where this conversation really begins in terms of the terminology and the language. What does the offense look like? And of course, the team is not going to say too much because they don't want to give too much away right now. And if you have tickets for the red-white scrimmage, I'll tell you right now, don't expect to see anything. They, why would you? If they're going to change their offense, completely overhaul it, tweak it, whatever, especially if it's going to be broadcast live on BTN, you wouldn't show it. It would just wouldn't be smart from a competitive standpoint. I think we heard, I think it was Nick Henrich was asked, did you see anything new from the offense? And, and he had a comment, I think it was him, if it wasn't, I'm sorry, about how there was maybe more of a downhill run game. Correct. And I could, you could maybe hear a lot of reporters think, ooh, there's something here. And then Coach Frost was asked about that, and he basically said, well, uh, I don't know about that. And, and you know, in, this, in the next breath, the players are talking about the varying skill sets of Nebraska's quarterbacks between Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, Logan Smothers, Matt Masker, Richard Torres. Like, they all bring a little something and different to the table. And there's not a lot of table. headline-breaking information there. The comments were pretty much like, he's fast, he's got a heck of an arm, he's got a cannon, he makes great decisions. And let's slow down. It's the first day of spring football. They're not in full pads, and they're still learning this offense. They're not doing anything that's going to change the game of football. They are just going through some very basic things. And that's what this spring is about. There is a difference between excitement and hype. I think there can be a lot of excitement right now. That hype train maybe just has to wait until August. There can be excitement, yes, and that's fair. There's always because excitement with newness. Exactly. And, and I don't want to completely go back in time, but had Nebraska not made all the changes that they did following last season – what would, if we were to have a meter of excitement, what would that meter be graded at? Would it be a two, a three, a four? Well, because you bring in a coach with the acumen of Mark Whipple and you bring in a Brian Applewhite and Mickey Joseph, the meter is way, that's where it's substantiated excitement because there's a novelty out there. There's a mystery with what Nebraska football will look like, specifically on the offensive side of the football. So, the excitement is there. Yes, there is hype as well. Uh, and we'd be remiss if we didn't leave out that there is still some skepticism that some folks say, you know, based on the scars and the wounds of the past three or four years, I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to consume it. I'm not going to buy it. Talk to me in September.
There are people out there. There are. But right now, just hearing from the players, hearing from the coaches, seeing the Scott Frost smile today, for those that really love Nebraska football and won it, I mean, there, there are some pretty good feelings right now on February 28th. Okay, now let's talk about how much we are not going to know <laughs> over the next <laughs> A 14 lot. practices. At this point, we don't even know if Team E cameras will be allowed to shoot any footage of any practice. We can go to the spring game, but we don't know about practices right now. Yeah, and it, we discussed this in a previous podcast, Bill, that it has varied from don't come at all to last year there was a, there was a practice that the public was invited to at Memorial Stadium, and TV cameras were invited in, and we were able to shoot almost the entire thing and get video of some of the new players on the team. Um, so access might be, I, I presume it's going to be very limited. If TV cameras are allowed in, photographers in, reporters in, I mean, they're going to have us leave before they really get cooking on some of the things um, that they're going to do during practice. One thing that I found really interesting, um, and maybe we can navigate the conversation in this direction, Bill, uh, I really enjoyed listening to Bill Bush talk on Monday following Nebraska's first practice. They're going to start every practice this spring and probably in the fall as well by doing their stretching lines, getting their bodies ready to go, and they go straight into special teams. That mute right the off the bat of practice. Yeah. And Bill kind of laid out how when the guys show up and go to their lockers, that there is a giant chart, spreadsheet, color-coded, whatever it specifically looks like. He kind of detailed it that you will know what periods you're going to be involved in and special teams-wise – what you're going to work on, like if you're going to be on the kickoff team, you're going to be on the second group on kickoff, and they're going to work on this during that 10-minute stretch. So not only are they doing special teams early at practice, but they are making sure it's as organized as possible. There is a concerted effort to improve on special teams, and Bill Bush has a plan for that. What did he say? Uh, one of the best quotes of the entire, you know, hour and a half, two hours, we were at, Mo at Memorial Stadium. Bill Bush says the people that he loves most, his wife, his daughters, and his punt returner. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> and then he was talking about the technique of a good punt I hope punt he doesn't returner. have any siblings. <laughs> right. They just got kicked to the curb. I thought a dog might make it in there. But he was saying how, like, you know, a lot of times punt returners, Bill, the, the old school way of coaching it is put your heels on the 10, don't step backwards. Bill Bush doesn't believe in that. He said you need to have a staggered stance. So that way, if you take a step back, you, you, your heels are there, but you're really in an unbalanced position, and bad things can happen to have a staggered step. So if you do need to do a drop step and see the ball better and have a better angle toward the football to field it, you can. Just a little thing like that. Like That's who they hired as a special teams coordinator, not a guy that they didn't have a position for and they just wanted to make him a full-time coach. This is a dude, Bill Bush, who's won a national championship while at LSU. He coached special teams under Bill Callahan here, and during that era, Nebraska's special teams were pretty good. And he also has a very close relationship with some of the punters that played at Nebraska and then went on to the NFL. And he plans to continue to work with those guys and bring them back, Kyle Larson and uh, Sam Cook. Sounds like Sam Cook's going to work with these punters during the offseason. It's all good. Who is more upset that Devin Hester didn't get into the Hall of Fame, you or Bill Bush? Bill Bush. <laughs> he was a good punt returner. He was, the, the, he was 
Sometimes, uh, you know, for a Hall of Fame, you got to be awesome at everything. No, he was I mean, great. He was, he, he was, was great. He was great. I mean, not to turn this into a he, Bears podcast. He just wasn't that great on offense. No, he couldn't find his role in, on offense. But, uh, gosh, he was, he was exciting. I couldn't believe he didn't make it. You just talked about his love for punt returners, and that, that, that came to my mind. Well, Devin Hester kind of sets the standard for Retournament over the past 20 years. Well, then at Nebraska, I mean, nobody liked Devin Hester, but to Mornay Pearsonell, mm-hmm. there's been some people back there that have been able to return some kicks. This isn't like Nebraska's never had a putt returner before. Yeah. Just, we haven't seen it in a few years. Pearsonell is the last example of somebody that could make an explosive play on special teams. JD Spielman return. for yeah, a little while. JD was really good as well. Kenny Bell, Jordan Westerkamp, uh, Kenny more than uh, Jordan because Kenny had some explosive speed. Um, but, yeah, there, that is one of my big takeaways is that Bill Bush, having his title, he's going to fully embrace it. There's a plan to incorporate special teams regularly. It's structured, and uh, special teams are going to be a big deal, not just during spring football, but during fall camp and hopefully throughout the 2020 All right, you season. talked about your takeaways. Let's, let's get right to it. I, uh, I asked you for... For five of them, and only four fit on the graphics, so forgive me. We can talk about your fifth if <laughs> you want. Which one did you leave out? The, the number, number five. Uh, but here are Kevin's key takeaways, spring football again, day one. Uh, let's just go one by one. You told me new energy, a lot of roster and coaching turnover. The vibe. In, in short, that is the vibe, that there is a newness, there is the reinvigoration, if that's a word, just the overall feeling of a program that, frankly, is coming off a 3-9 and nine season, doesn't feel 3-9 and nine at all. These players need to prove something to their new coaches. These new coaches need to coach up the players. And overall, they're pulling in the same direction, that they want this program to change the, the way that these close games have gone over the past couple of years, and they want to see success this season. I have to believe that has been an emphasis in this offseason how close Nebraska was to nine and three versus three and nine if a couple second half of the fourth quarters go differently. But you can't really say, listen, we're going to get better at winning late in the game. Like, it, it's not that simple. You well, just have but to. But you do have to, get, you have to get better at winning. You have to just get better, period. You have to get better and be consistent so that in crunch but what time. Could, what you could execute. argue that Nebraska, Nebraska was a good team last year, a good team that couldn't finish? So, yes, you have to get better. Everybody wants to get better. You want to get better every year. But you have to get better at winning. You have to get better in crunch time. Just get better. Just get better. Because I think if you get better naturally, you're going to see the results of that as big-time moments come. Perhaps a change at quarterback will do that as well. Number two, open competition at quarterback. A lot of people don't believe you here, but you told me. Open competition, that's what you believe right now. Yeah, I do. Four biggest names that come to mind, Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, Logan Smothers, Hunter Carver. Those are the four. Thompson takes number one snap. And uh, on the first practice on Monday, Mark Whipple said that that could very well change on Wednesday. Maybe they have Chubba Purdy take the first snap. I don't know that uh, we're just looking for something, right? I don't know how much it really means, but uh, not only is there open competition at quarterback, there's open competition all across the field including running back, Ramir Johnson, who has the most experience out of everybody, he was even saying how, you know, it doesn't matter what he's done in the past. He has a new position coach. He needs to impress him. He needs to earn his job. 
And so just having those new watchful eyes, a new coach, a new voice, like it, it is going to create a different kind of climate at practice every day. We've gone through the rankings uh, before numerous times. Basically, if you look up a special teams category on NCAA stats, NCAA.org backslash stats, whatever the URL is, Nebraska is ranked somewhere between 100 and 130th. Your third bullet point, special teams matter. Bill Bush, the new full-time coach. He will not talk about last year. He won't. There were a lot. You see the way these interviews went on Monday, they were roundtable sessions. So you would have, and they had multiple coaches going all at the same time, Bill. So you would have some reporters start over with Mickey Joseph, and then after a little bit of time, they would swing over and sit down with Donovan Royola. And after some time with Donovan Royola, they'd go to Sean Beckton. Hopefully I'm painting the picture. But you would have reporters that were not with Bill Bush through the duration of 30 minutes. I think he fielded the same question maybe four or five times. And it all points to... How do you improve upon last year's misfortunes in special teams? Or what do you do specifically to avoid that from happening again? He's dismissive every time. Last year, not going to get into that. That is in the past. We're going to do ourselves a disservice. This is a new team and a new approach. He's, he is that new approach, but he will not talk about last year. And so not only are they avoiding that talk, they will emphasize on what they are doing right now. And so I think that there are so many things that align that Nebraska is just making sure that they are going to try to avoid having special teams miscues. From a personnel standpoint, they're bringing in new kickers. They're bringing in a really good punter from the FCS. They have a special teams coordinator. They're practicing it more regularly and structured. So special teams matter. Number four, you actually texted me toughness, roughness, roughness. Oh, that's a typo. Okay, I was going to say only one roughness fit on this graphic here, but toughness and roughness. It's supposed to be toughness, toughness, toughness. But when you get me doing three things at one time, sometimes we'll get a typo in there. So it's toughness, toughness, toughness. Well, but roughness works, right? Sure. Just don't injure anybody. Toughness and roughness. Toughness. They're not going to be too rough in spring football no. here. They don't want to have any more injuries. Okay, but well, let's I imagine just... that says toughness and toughness then. Okay, toughness. <laughs> Did I really say roughness? Twice. You said Okay. <laughs> We'll go toughness and roughness, Bill. Toughness. From all positions, especially on offense. We heard the word toughness from Scott Frost, Brian Applewhite, Donovan Raiola. It's, it, it's something that the coaches want as a part of the DNA of the 22 Nebraska football team. Your number five there was Scott Frost, CEO. We already kind of talked about that. The guy that was up at the podium smiling. The guy that is with the number two quarterbacks as they go into full offense for the first time in spring football. Hands off. And even, you know, Sean Becton was sharing with me about how Coach Frost doesn't have to be as sleeves rolled up with the offense. Those aren't his terms, but he was basically saying how a lot of the things that they're trying to do offensively, uh, it's a heads together kind of operation, but really Mark Whipple is leading the charge. Frost is going to sign off on it, but this is allowing Frost to even navigate over the de to the defensive side of the football to do some coaching over there if need be. Whereas previously, it was fingerprints all over the off uh, all over the offense, and now you're just seeing uh, a different coaching approach from Scott Frost. And I think today, I know it's just 25 minutes at the podium, 
you just see a little bit of a different persona from Nebraska's head football coach. Spring game is April 9th, 14 practices left. Uh, let's set the stage a little bit about what's next. We're not going to hear from the team, I don't believe, until next Monday. Correct. They will practice on Wednesday, possibly on Saturday. Don't quote me on that. And usually these have to start with two unpadded practices, correct? That is correct. Okay. And then there's spring break, not too far away. Right. So they'll practice. They'll get half of those practices in. They'll go on spring break for a week. Half the practices in again. And that 15th practice is technically the spring game. Mike Dawson was even telling me, you know, like, for the new guys, this thing just goes so quick right? Day one's done. Day two is Wednesday, no full pads. Yeah. It's like 40, and it's like four, it's stretched out over about 40 days. But you go through those, and then you'll go through your second week where maybe you're starting to figure out spring football and get yourself settled in a little bit. Then you go on break, and when you come back, spring game doesn't count. That's one of 15 practices, but in terms of what you're really trying to get accomplished and trying to prove to your coaches, it, it's more for the fans, right? Right. So that doesn't count. So if you remove the first what is it, five practices before break, and you take away the, the spring game, there's six of your 15 practices. When they come back from break, it's like, oh, my goodness. Spring football is essentially half over in your window to impress the coaches, earn your spot, learn. It's got to happen quick. You can't wait till that after break period. So I think you were just trying to reset with the structure and, and the schedule for Nebraska football over the spring season. That's what it looks like. What do you not know now that you hope to learn? One thing, not know now, hope to know by April 9th. I need to stall. Ask the question again. What do you not know right now or are not confident in related to personnel, coaching, depth chart, anything? You don't know now, but you hope to learn by April 9th. What's the easy answer here, Bill? Are you setting me up? Are you putting no. it on the tee? Let's not QB1. Okay, Let, let's go because that's what let's everybody's going to want to hear the answer right. be. Like, who's the starting quarterback, right? Who's think, number like, two? But which, that's the obvious one, which, you know, I think we'll probably have a good idea by April 9th. Can they run the football? Who's in the, who, what? Can they run the football? Do they want to run the football? Mark Whipple threw it a lot at Pitt last year. And Whipple said that the quarterbacks after day one, and even, you know, from what he knows about the guys that are on the roster, he believes that they are more than sufficient at the quarterback position. With that said, and he likes his tight ends too. The tight ends, by the way, have been watching Pitt film pretty regularly based on the way Mark Whipple used tight ends. Passing game, right? Can they run the football? Do they want to run the football? That's what I want to know. Do they have the personnel to do it? Are they going to throw the ball 45 times next They time? might have the tight ends to do it. Do they have the offensive line to do it? That, that's why I didn't just go with a position right? or a player. I want to know, do they intend to run the football? Can they run the football? So I don't know. And that's, it's, a tricky, it's a tricky conversation because you don't have Turner Corcoran and Teddy Prohaska. I don't mean to dig that back up. So evaluating the offensive line right now is a little bit different than... I like how our can-they-run-the-football conversation seems to be more about the offensive line and the tight ends than it is about the running backs. Yeah, yeah. and the running back situation is really interesting. Uh, Ramir, Jacques Yant, Anthony Grant's here. You, you, like... A couple that, people talked about Yant. There's, there's a conversation there that we'll save for a later date. Right. But yes, the running back situation itself is it's not exactly clear, Bill. I, I like to look at the whole running situation based on coaching philosophy and approach mm -hmm. 
and what they have up front. And if they feel like they are uh, a good enough unit to run the football effectively in the Big Ten. A lot more football to talk about over the next uh, four, five, six weeks or so. Uh, right now, I do want to transition into really uh, the other big, I'll say the other big positive story right now, and that is uh, Nebraska women. We said they needed to win four, three of their last, oops, that is the wrong one. We got fancy graphics. You we got like fancy that? graphics. There this we go. <laughs> um, finished the season 22-7. and seven. Uh, That Big Ten was a really top-heavy league. They get the sixth seed for the Big Ten tournament. It's a nice win on Sunday, beating Northwestern in front of the home fans. I understand you were there. One of I the was there, yes. It was, uh, took my son Theo. Uh, How was a, the experience? Just a, it was great. Aren't those games wonderful? I mean, it was great. It was, you know, it's not, not that I wouldn't love to see 15,000 people in there. I mean, there was, I don't know, the total attendance. 6,200. 6,200. But it, it's, it's big enough to have energy. It is, um, not quiet enough, but there's moments to like teach a three-year-old about how the game of basketball works because he doesn't yeah. understand if somebody shoots it from here versus here, why it's worth one, two, or three points. And, you know, you're kind of instructing the whole thing. And he was super into it. Great experience. Love it. Great team. Uh, I'd be remiss if we, if we didn't mention this right here. Eight-time Big Ten Freshman of the Week award. We just learned about this about an hour ago. Alexis Markowski. So she's going to win Big Ten Freshman of the Year, right? We'll find out on Tuesday. That's when the awards are going to be. Postseason awards will be announced. She's going to win that. Will she be the national freshman of the year? I think yes. I mean, she's, she has six double-doubles this season, Bill. She's not only starting for a team that was very competitive in the Big Ten, has two top ten wins this year. Uh, Alexis has had a phenomenal season. I just crunched her numbers just for 2022, which was 16 games, all conference games. Essentially when she entered the starting lineup. Right. She averaged 16 and a half points and nine and a half rebounds a game. And this stat comes to you from, from Jeff Grish, the, the SID and color analyst for women's basketball. She won not only eight, she won six of the last eight awards. One of the weeks she didn't win was the week that the team was on a COVID pause. Wow. Talk about domination toward the end of the season when your team needs you the most for somebody who's 18, 19 years old. Uh, Huskers have a fan favorite here that's going to be here for, for another three years, too. She works hard, and she's gotten better. Uh, it's fun to watch. Like Jazz Shelley, she could score a lot more than what her average is at right now, but Jazz loves distributing the basketball. And that's one of my favorite plays for this team is when Jazz goes down one side of the lane and it looks like she's going to take a heart of the hole, but instead she'll do a quick dish and Alexa's mm -hmm. right there. That's how she gets a lot of her points, that and putbacks, because she's been so good rebounding the basketball. 16-12 and 12 against Northwestern. As you mentioned, six seed for the Big Ten tournament. It was important to get the six because if you're the seven, you play in the first round. Nebraska instead has a bye. Here's and, that bracket. And they await the winner of Illinois and Wisconsin which would be, uh, I like this, the late game on Thursday. It'll right. be on BTN, so they're not going to play at 11 a.m. It's going to be more of a standard time for them, and it's, it's a pretty good matchup if you're looking at it from a Nebraska perspective. Illinois, uh, they're really rough this year. Wisconsin, Nebraska beat twice, and uh, they're okay. The Huskers, though, have had 
manageable leads against the Badgers in both of those games. How about this? Ohio State gets the one seed, Iowa the two, Michigan the three seed. Michigan a top 10 team, uh, Michigan a team that Nebraska beat. If they get past the winner of Illinois-Wisconsin, they play Michigan. They avoid Iowa in the first two rounds, which I think is nice. They avoid, avoid Maryland. They avoid Maryland. They avoid Ohio State. These are all good things. The draw actually sets up fairly nicely, and we're not presuming that they're going to make a run. But if you were to pick one of those top four seeds to play in the quarterfinals between Ohio State, Maryland, Iowa, and Michigan, I think most Nebraska fans would pick Michigan. Now, however, the Wolverines, they're not going to forget what happened when they visited Pinnacle Bank Arena toward the front side of the Big Ten schedule. That was one of Nebraska's most impressive games of the year, and Michigan had not lost like that in quite some time. That's the old Leah Brown factor too. The Huskers got up for that game because Leah Brown with Michigan after leaving the Huskers a few years ago, they were jazzed up and they stuck it to Michigan. It's gonna be a fun weekend though. Absolutely. Big 10 tournament starts Wednesday. It's in Indianapolis and uh, the tournament runs through Sunday. The Big 10 championship is Sunday afternoon. Men, nice win last night against Penn State too. I don't know Excuse if anybody me, what did you just say? Men had a nice win. Finished say it again? Yeah. Finished the season winning two of their last three, right? They only have two conference wins, Bill. It was a good win. They, they, they won. They, they were up by as many as 31 points. And so. On the road. I, I don't know what your reaction to that game was, winning 93 to 70. Some folks would say, where's that been all year? And other folks will say, well, that's the team Fred Hoiberg was gushing over during the preseason. I think I look at, I look at what Trev Alberts had to say on statewide media last week about wanting to, to finish on a positive note. And I mean, I guess technically we haven't done a podcast since it was announced Fred Hoiberg would be coming back. Obviously, Fred Hoiberg coming back. And they wanted to finish the season strong. Got a couple more games left. Then he got the Big Ten tourney uh, two weekends from now. Uh, no more home games left. Another top 25 matchup here this week. Uh, tough road to end the season, but if you can end it on a positive note at the very least, obviously, unless you run the table in the Big Ten tournament, there's, there's, no, there's no March Madness, there's no NIT. Um, so the season's likely over here in 10 days or so. But Ohio State and Wisconsin are the two opponents for Nebraska remaining on the schedule. Tuesday and Sunday are the games. Uh, both the Buckeyes and the Badgers in the national rankings. There are some teams that will be pulling for Nebraska because the Big Ten race is pretty, it's pretty chunky up at the top. And, you know, there's no team running away with it right now. It could be Purdue. It could be Wisconsin. It could be Illinois. Uh, there's a lot of jockeying right now. So the folks that are not Wisconsin, they want Wisconsin to lose here in the final week. So Nebraska may have a groundswell of other Big Ten teams polling for them on Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock when they play up at the Kohl Center. Shocked that the baseball team dropped three this week? I'm shocked that they're one in, what are they, one in six? One in six. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. That one in six is different than three and four. It's, it's not by much. Two, two and five. I mean, if you could have taken one against TCU. But from a mentality standpoint, I think that this is one that might be a little bit of a shock to the system for a team that started the season in the national rankings, had some expectations placed on them. Still early, but, yeah, one in six is tough. And I did see this week's poll includes Long Beach State. They are number 25 in Nebraska's home opening four, series. Four, four gamer against them. Long Beach State comes to Lincoln. So if you're looking for the schedule to let up, 
because it has been pretty challenging early on in Nebraska to try to string some wins together. You know, they don't play Long Beach State this weekend. They have four games down back in Arlington again against UT Arlington and I believe Northwestern State. Mm -hmm. uh, but then they come back. They're going to start the home season, and it's going to be against a really good team in Long Beach State. But if you're also looking to, to, to get back some RPI points, a couple victories. There's Mr. Positive hey. coming right back. Drinking the Scott Frost Kool-Aid right now. I like got to end on a positive note. Smile on your face, said with that. All too. right. Uh, we'll finish it out with a couple of uh, Kevin Suits' favorite sound bites from this week. Oh, boy. Um, for Kevin Suits, I'm Bill Shammer. This has been the End Report Podcast. All right. I don't want to kick a turd here, but um, I'm sorry. The farm terms come out sometimes. Uh, during Mad Drills, I lost it yelling at dudes, getting excited. Like you said, try to be vocal, so... <laughs> Kind of embracing that fully right now. Uh, I saw him squat 800 pounds for two times, so or eight plates. Man, is is different. You've been listening to the End Report podcast from 1011 Now. Subscribe and leave a ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you download your podcast. For more Husker coverage throughout the week, watch 1011 Now Sports and download the 1011 Now app.